0: The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, glory to Christ. When the Advocate comes, Jesus said, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I've said these things to keep you from stumbling. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, an hour is coming when those who kill you will think that by doing so they are offering worship to God. And they will do this because they have not known the Father or me. But I have said these things to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you about them. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, I have to say, it has been a very strange morning for me. And the reason for that is not what I encountered here, but what I didn't. There are no cicadas. Do, do you all have them? Anybody have them at your house? They're not in Edgewater? Dan, you got a few of them? You got one, okay, well, okay, so they are in Edgewater, just not in Flossie's neighborhood, yeah. Uh, where I live in Reisterstown, we started being able to hear them this week, and, uh, and they're going to get loud. I, they get really loud. Um, the, the nice thing about them is they're, they're, they're harmless. They don't sting. They don't eat your plants. They, the worst thing that they do to your stuff is when they lay their eggs. They you know kill the little tiny uh, twig that that they do that in on your trees. But other than that, they they just mostly you know. Well, I mean, like a, a lot of seventeen year olds right now, they just you know, go around looking to mate and. Otherwise, they're, they're pretty harmless. But th- the spectacle is something. And I know some people are really, really freaked out. My, my wife doesn't even wanna talk, talk about them. Um, but the, the, of course, this got me thinking about the book of Joel. Uh, the prophet Joel is not, not one that we read very often except usually in conjunction with, uh, with the, the quote from him that Peter gave us. But uh, it starts out, it's one of these really wild books of prophecy where, where you, you, you're, you're introduced to this frightening scene of a locust invasion. In fact, uh, Joel uses four different words for four different types of locusts. We're not even sure what they are, but they're, they're coming through an invading army that, that tears up the land with the teeth of a lion, the fangs of a lioness laying waste my vines and ruining my fig trees. The vine is dried up, the fig tree is withered, the pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree, all the trees of the field, they're dried up. Surely the joy of mankind is withered away. Oh, it's, it's awful. The food has been cut off before our eyes. Joy and gladness... From the house of our God, the seeds shriveled beneath the clods, the storehouses and ruins, the granaries broken down, and the grain dried up, and the cattle moan, and the herds mill about because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep are suffering because this invading army of locusts has eaten everything in sight. Listen to this. Listen to the way he, he tells this. Like dawn spreading across the mountains, A large and mighty army comes, such as never was of old, nor ever will be in ages to come. Before them fire devours, behind them a flame blazes. Before them the land is like the Garden of Eden, but behind them a desert waste. Nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses that gallop along like cavalry. With a noise like that of chariots, they leap over the mountaintops like a crackling fire, consuming stubble like a mighty army drawn up for battle. At the sight of the nations are in anguish. Every face turns pale. They charge like warriors, scale walls like soldiers. They don't jostle each other. Each one marches straight ahead. They plunge through defenses without breaking ranks. They rush upon the city. They run along the wall like thieves. They enter through the windows. Before them, the earth shakes. The sky trembles. The sun and the moon are darkened. And the stars no longer shine. We have a plague of locusts. They're so thick, they blot out the sun. And then Joel says, this is fascinating, Yahweh thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number. And mighty are those who obey his command. The day of Yahweh is great. It's dreadful. Who can endure it? And the question is, is Joel presenting God to us as the one at the head of this army of invading locusts? Is this plague God's judgment upon his people? Or is Joel presenting God at the head of his army that is going to defend his people from this plague? He doesn't tell us. Like so many of the prophets, his word is one that doesn't let us get too comfortable. God is always going to defend and vindicate his people against their enemies. But when they're their own worst enemies, What's gonna happen? Well, even now, declares Yahweh, return to me with all your heart. That's what he says to his people, return to me with all your heart, fasting, weeping, mourning. Your heart, not your garments, return to Yahweh your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing grain offerings and drink offerings for Yahweh your God. He may restore once again the ability for you to bring those offerings to Him that He has commanded. And so gather all the people. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, Yahweh. Don't make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should all those nations say, Where's their God? Well, Skipping ahead. The answer to that in the third chapter of Joel is that the nations are judged. The whole third chapter of Joel is a declaration of the judgment that God is going to bring upon the hostile nations around all the people who came against his people but this dramatic judgment comes because of this climactic event that Joel talks about in that prophecy that Peter quotes on Pentecost. He says, I will take pity on my people. I will send you grain, new wine, and oil enough to satisfy you fully. I will drive the northern army far from you. Maybe that plague of locusts wasn't actually a plague of locusts. Maybe that was a description of the armies coming against God's people. Scholars argue about whether Joel had a literal plague of locusts in mind, or whether that was his metaphor for the army, or whether the army is a metaphor for the locusts. Now be glad, O people of Zion, rejoice in Yahweh your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness, sends you abundant showers, The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. And then you'll know that I am in Israel, that I am Yahweh your God, that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterward, and here's the part that Peter quotes, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on slaves, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I'll show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of Yahweh. And everyone who calls on the name of Yahweh Will be saved. That's where Peter stops. But there's a little bit more. Everyone who calls on the name of Yahweh will be saved, Joel says. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as Yahweh has said, among the sur- survivors whom Yahweh calls. I'll say that again. For on Mount Zion, And in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as Yahweh has said among the survivors whom Yahweh calls. And where is Peter when he quotes this prophecy from Joel? On Mount Zion, in Jerusalem. He says, this is fulfilled right here, right now. He's saying that God has done something climactic God has done something decisive after which things will never be the same again he's being faithful to fulfill the promises he has made to his beloved people and he is vindicating them and this Peter says to this crowd gathered there in Jerusalem for the feast of Shavuos it's happening right now the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is coming through on his promises right now. And everyone who calls on his name will be saved. Pentecost is often spoken of as the birthday of the church. And one of the things that we have the privilege of doing as the church is telling this story of God coming through on His promises, of God demonstrating His faithfulness. I think one of the best articulations of that is the prayer that we pray at ordinations. Deacon, priest, bishop, we pray this collect at the beginning. I'll conclude with this. Let us pray. O God of unchangeable power and eternal light, look favorably on your whole church, that wonderful and sacred mystery. By the effectual working of your providence, carry out in tranquility the plan of salvation. Let the whole world see and know that things which were cast down are being raised up, and things which had grown old are being made new, and that all things are being brought to their perfection by him through whom all things were made, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.